Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. How you doing, Amanda? I'm all right. How about you? I am good. I'm good. Although there's quite a lot of activity here at our house, uh, we are getting a new roof put on. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, headed to a strength class and all was calm on the um, Western front and uh, come home and it's like there's this huge truck you know with this conveyor belt getting all the supplies up onto the roof and uh, means I can't plug my Chrysler Pacifica e-hybrid in and I'm like no I'm gonna have to run on gas once the battery goes out. <laughs> uh, I mean it'll, it'll be hybrid then but still I, I'm very fond of uh, getting going all electric so um, yeah, <laughs> you probably played the game, right? Of like seeing how much you can run on electric versus gas. I mean, oh, there, there is there, and um, there's a screen on the U control that you can go to and check it out, and you know it's a different color, so you know, um, I, I typically can, I given my lifestyle, I typically run all electric, but um, yeah, I won't, I won't this week. Oh, I'm sorry, Mother Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah, yeah yeah so um so uh, coming back to the work week what articles are you working on yeah well I um was scrambling last week right before the holiday I had my um my brother and his family come in on Wednesday and um, I don't know if you saw but the um North Face Endurance Challenge out in California had to be canceled because of the fires. Uh -huh. um, so there was a group of intrepid runners who decided to stage their own uh, 50K uh -huh. up in Tahoe and raise money at the same time. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so, and that ahead. race is typically in Marin. Is that where they usually just um, It is or? in, in um, oh my goodness, why is the, Sausalito is where it's staged out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's in Marin County. Is yes. that Marin? Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, it's immediately north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, so this whole group decided to go ahead and, and um, stage their own 50K um, mm. up in Tahoe where the, the air is clearer um, and raise money along the way. And um, North Face immediately jumped in and said, hey, we'll match every dollar for dollar, every donation. Right. And it just turned into this great, um, you know, feel good story. And um, so I kind of was following them on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, th this deserves some coverage. And yeah. so, so I wrote about it for ESPN and, you know, oh. outside wrote about it and trail runner wrote about it. like everyone jumped in and wrote about it, but it was, you know, I'm glad they got all kinds of coverage because it was, it was a great story. That's awesome. And you doing breaking news. That's very exciting. Well, um, yes, you know, yes. I mean, you know, I realize you're maybe not reporting, you know, at 6am and 7am and that whole thing. Right. But, you, know, <laughs> you and I both know that sometimes you play the long game when you do freelance and absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah so, but it was a, it was a scramble um, because, you know, I think I pitched on Monday and turned it in on Tuesday, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then I had to worry, you know, postpone like getting my house in working order for, for guests. So yeah, lots of fun. Right. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Yeah. A cursory cleanup. Exactly. Um, and then you relax by watching something fun I hear on Thanksgiving. Yes, we are. Um, we have been big fans of the National Dog Show um, for the last <laughs> few years. They um, run it in between the Macy's Day Parade and then the start of football games. So we were watching this year and lo and behold, the Whippet was the winner. His name was Whiskey. <laughs> and we are excited in this house because we are Whippet owners. We're on our second Whippet. Uh-huh. Because you like breed. to whip it good. Mm -hmm. yep. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, love, <laughs> love the breed. And, you know, it's not a very well-known breed. And now I'm a little bit panicked that it might become popular. Um, 
uh, you know, in the States, you know, become the next Labrador or something. But um, <laughs> it, like, it, it was... <laughs> isn't the, the Whippet the dog that the Simpsons have? Or is that a Greyhound? You know, I'm not sure if they've ever specified which one it is, but it definitely looks like the Simpsons dog, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, because Santa's little helper, I mean, come on, I, I know the dog's yeah. name. And uh, yeah. it was a rescue. Um, I don't know if, you know, they They're would probably be... a Greyhound. Okay. Um, but he's awful, Whippet... but Santa's little helper is small like a Whippet, so I don't know. But, but smaller, you know, yeah. People don't race Whippets, do they? No, well, they do um, course racing. So that's like they, they fall, they chase a little um, kind of like oh. a rabbit. Oh, yeah. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Around a course, but it's not, not like um, where, where they are on the track and people are betting on them or on any of that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have the, you know, more nefarious <laughs> undertones, I guess, that the track <laughs> racing does. Um, it's, a, it's a happier event. Yes. Um, and they're, they're supposedly, you know, well treated and all that. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, but I, it was so funny because the next day the Post ran an article about the Whippet running or winning. And apparently it was quite the, um, upset victory because everyone was counting on the Doberman winning this year, and there was an audible <laughs> gasp in the audience when they announced the winner. You know, so <laughs> I love all the drama of it. So. Oh my goodness! Oh my, and good family fun, and and you absolutely, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you watched that Netflix documentary, six-part documentary called Dogs? You know what? I Audrey and I, my daughter and I, were just looking at that last night, and I was suggesting we watched it. She she didn't want to watch it last night, but I I do want to see it. Have you watched? I have not, but I have seen online and read. I think in Entertainment Weekly, maybe that it is just just people are just sobbing. That it's Aww. you know you're, you're crying one second because it's so happy, and the next second because it's so sad, and and I oh. mean it's just it's just bringing everyone to their knees. So yeah. uh, and you know Molly's a veterinarian, so I'm like, oh, you're gonna watch dogs, right? She's like, no way, I will just <laughs> you know shattered by it. <laughs> it's more than she can handle after her job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I definitely intend on watching it, but um, no, I was I I had uh, I was experiencing dogs in IRL. Um, over the weekend, uh, the holiday weekend. And I should say we're recording this on Monday. So that's why Thanksgiving seems so fresh in our minds. Uh, right. Right. So I took Augie to the dog park every single day of the holiday weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, despite Thursday and Friday being rainy. And, uh, you know, here in Portland, you just put your hood up and you go stand there and, you know, hopefully have a towel in your car to wipe your dog down because <laughs> I did not. And I had a hand towel. And um, so he got the uh, light gray um, passenger seat, like gray leather of that Pacifica, uh, kind of dirty. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, but, um, oh my gosh. And then took him to, usually I take him to a um, fenced dog park, but then right. But that's a little bit of a drive, and I'm like, uh, so went to a one that's closer. It's not fenced, and that always is a little tense because he um, doesn't know to not run into the street. So he got close, oh, okay. close at one point, and then he also wants to just go home with everybody, and they all just, you know, oh, look at the cute Frenchie. Oh, look at the cute Frenchie. So <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always run into people I know at, at the, the closer one, run into neighbors and um, so no, so fun. Cause Augie, now we're coming up on one year of owning him. I believe that wow. Sunday will be our one year anniversary of being dog, um, parents. And, and um, that seems like it's gone really fast. It does like seem a- yet the, um, <laughs> like yet talking about kids. Right, I know, right. Oh, <laughs> it was just a puppy. Uh, <laughs> right. and, and I completely had that feeling yesterday because, uh, he was playing with 
what turned out to be a two-month-old puppy that was only about the size of a full-grown chihuahua. So I don't know how big this dog will get um, eventually. But so Augie was just being such a good, like, older play dog, you know, that, you know, really, you know, the little dog would get down on its back and, and Augie would you know, like play with them, but be very gentle with them. And then oh. the, then it was so funny because the little dog was biting on Augie's jowls, which is what Augie did when he was younger. The, the owner was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, turn about his fair play. It's like, it's his right. turn. And, and so all these people were like, oh, that Frenchie's being so nice. Look at him play so gently. And I swear my heart grew like two sizes. <laughs> You were the proud parents. <laughs> As if I have anything to do with this. I mean, nothing. He's right, not right, right. He's just a nice dog. Right. <laughs> but go ahead and take credit. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I do take him to half day of, uh, you know, doggy daycare once a week. Uh, <laughs> so, well, we, um, have, um, we have behind me, we have um, a school field. Uh-huh. And on the weekends, there's an informal doggy play group back there where all these people mm-hmm. bring their dogs and just let them, you know, play. And I've tried with, with Tori, my Whippet, and uh-huh. um, this is very Whippet-like. They're not a social dog. She uh-huh. has turned and run home. Like, oh, no. <laughs> she has no interest, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And is there a specific meeting time, or is it just all throughout the day, or? You know, it's every Saturday and Sunday morning at 8.30. Um, oh, my they are, gosh. They are out there like clockwork, Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no, yeah. this is just, you know, these are dog, do other places have dog parks, right? Like this yes, is not yes. just, okay, I was like, oh, yes. this could just be a Portland thing. No, um, no, no. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, and so there's always that like, oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll think like, hmm, do other people, will they be there at 1245, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very catch as catch can for what you can get with dogs there, so. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but you know, it makes them happy. And, and it's, it's, I I always like having an excuse to be outside because there's only so long you can exercise for outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like on, I guess it was black Friday, I went for a run and, and it was raining and, but came back and I'm like, Oh, I'm not ready to go inside. I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll rake a little more. So that's that these days is my go-to for when I want to be outside is I, I rake. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, all right. Well, today's topic is how to plan your race calendar. And the timing seems right. Just snuck this in with one month to go. Unbelievable. Talk about time passing. Um, with just one month to go before the new year. And this topic percolated from a conversation you and I had, as you know, Amanda, about the uh, talk you'll give next year at our Cape Cod retreat. And uh, Amanda, you're going to morph from co-host to guest after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome, Coach Amanda. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a long time since we've chatted. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I decided that since you are now a guest instead of a co-host, can you know kind of fill people in on your CV as a coach and as a runner? And, and while you're at it, oh heck, remind us the ages of those kids of yours. Sure. Um, I've been running for um, a little over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I began coaching probably a decade ago. Um, and I, I really um, got my start in the local um, running club, um, which has several different programs uh, for runners uh, of, of all abilities and all different um, distances. And um, those programs have been 
going for a while and they're super successful. And, and so that kind of whet my appetite for it. And, um, and I did a lot of my own coaching, um, you know, during that time and, and, and after that. And then once I joined you guys, what, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's been two or three years now. I, I kind of yep. gave up all of those gigs and have just, um, been exclusively, um, a train like a mother coach. I did not know that. Yes, indeed. I always thought you had a side hustle of coaching. So that's, look at that. I learned something. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's all you guys now. Well, good because we keep we keep you busy, and and I think you know you might be even more busy in the new year with maybe a new program or two. That's right. So, That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So good. 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 So, um, so I gotta say, start by saying how dang impressed I am that Bammers plan their entire annual race calendar in one fell swoop. Like even when I was at my fittest and least injured, that was not my gig. Um, yeah. I'm just not, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a planner. Were, are you a annual planner? Um, certainly not now. Um, oh. but there was a time <laughs> where I was more so, I mean, I would definitely, especially when I was focused on marathons, um, you know, I, I would definitely like, you know, pick one or two marathons a year and then kind of fill in the blanks around that, you uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But did you ever, I sometimes would add a race because I'd be writing about it for a magazine and so, you know, somebody like, like the runner's world, when they would do those race reports and they did the longer ones and they're like, oh, yeah. Hey Sarah, we're looking for someone to do one in the Pacific Northwest. You know, do you have any ideas? I'm like, uh, uh, you mean I'm going to get paid to do a race? Sure. Right. I can find something that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's an incentive right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I definitely, you know, I think there's a time for flying by the seat of your pants. I think there's a time for drilling down, um, um, and I think it just, you know, you need to recognize where you are and, and, and appreciate that. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I was all set to write questions and then I'm like, Hey, Hey, no, we're going to go to Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, got just such a great slew of questions. So thank you, Bammer, for doing that. And, um, I had the one question I typed up was, um, is there an optimum number of races to take part in per year? Or as Trisha put it on Facebook, is there a sweet spot? Do you want to have a goal race every four, five, or six months, for example? Um, it's so individual. Um, but I mean, I would say that if you have a, you know, a, a, a goal race or two a year, and I think most people probably fall into that category, um, that it does help to keep some smaller, shorter races in there um, that, that kind of serve as warm-up races, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ways to, to, to definitely just keep you um, tuned up for racing. Um, I, I think there is value in that. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, four races a year is a sweet spot or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, I will say that I'm not a big fan of over-racing. I think it's it's definitely, you can't have, you know, you can't, like say, hey, I have, you know, six or seven goal races this year um, mm-hmm. and expect to, you know, and if you define goal race by um, a, a time goal, um, you, you can't expect to perform well at all those. Um, so mm-hmm. um, the sweet spot is probably going to be less than that. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, you and I are definitely in that same camp. Um, that people, we, We'd like to encourage people to choose their races, races judiciously. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So question from Sarah without an H. Um, she said, I always plan my year around the longest distances, which is um, what you were talking about earlier, Amanda, and then just add in shorter races as I come across them. 
but she asked, should I plan a 5K or 10K specific training cycle or just keep up the distance training with some intermittent speed work for the shorter races? So like, should she say, instead of like, oh, I'll just do a 10K as a half marathon, say, okay, now I'm training for a 10K. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of like the idea. Well, I definitely like the idea. I, I already said this, that I like the idea of if you've got these longer distance goals, um, finding a couple of, of shorter races um, prior to that, that fit in well um, and, and kind of do work on your speed a little bit. So um, take a longer term approach to say a half marathon, um, say pick, you know, half marathon that you want to do, um, you know, four or five months down the road, and then maybe find, you know, a 10K or a 5K that you can fit in along the way. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe closer toward, you know, the beginning of the training and, um, and definitely get a little more speed specific with that. And that can only carry over and help you um, later on. So then you're saying, let's say, let's just put some um, dates on it. Let's say you chose a half marathon in, I don't know, September then are you saying maybe think of yourself as being on a four-month cycle and for the first six weeks of that, if you have a, um, uh, I can't even do the math very well, but if you have a 5K like at the end of June, should you Mm -hmm. be training for that half marathon and throw in that 5K or do you want people like on a, would you suggest they be on a 5K program and then switch over? I mean, I would say more, you know, you need to be training with the half marathon in mind in terms of like building up your distance toward that, um, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, and this is especially, this especially applies to people who have lots of experience and already have base mileage underneath, you know, their belts. Um, it, it's easy to, you know, for these very short distances, like a 5k or a 10k, it's very easy then to, yes, at the, at the front end, throw in some speed specific workouts with that 5k or 10k in mind. For instance, um, you know, use your speed workout if you're going to the track um, to do some shorter intervals um, uh, or, you know, to do some specific 5K race pace intervals or specific 10K race pace intervals um, on the, those, those front, you know, six, eight weeks. Um, and, and then kind of gradually move over to um, more race specific to the half marathon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that all make sense? Yes, yes. And for the for the people, though, who are more on the um, newbie side of things, let's say they're looking at 2019 and, you know, they want, they're stepping up to a 5k for the first time, but then their girlfriends start talking about like this really fun half marathon in, you know, Florida in early December or something like that. I mean, what would be your approach then to doing a build up to that? Um, I would probably first, if, if you haven't even done a 5k, um, you know, I, I would first find a 5k plan and kind of get into 5k shape and, and make sure you do have, you know, enough time then between that and the, and the half marathon to kind of then concentrate, switch over and concentrate on the half marathon. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, again, not to say you can't jump into that half marathon program a little bit down the road if you already have some of that mileage in from the 5k. Um, -hmm. but, um, I, I would caution against the, you know, um, the couch to half marathon kind of approach. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But should, should it be like a set of stairs? I mean, should it be a, I'm just going to make these up a a 5k in February and a 10k in May and find a 10, you know, do the twin cities, 10 miler in early October. And then, then, you know, crescendo with the half. Yes. 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 I, I prefer that approach. Um, Plenty of people don't do it that way, but I, I think it will serve you well and serve you, you know, the best, you know, for healthy running, for results, 
oriented running, you know, to, to, to do it incrementally. Yeah. Yeah. I like the term results oriented running. That's, um, that's, I like that instead of goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, a good way. To, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, and another kind of baseline question from Kristen on Twitter she says, is it best to plan the whole year from the start? She told us she has a spring half and a few 5Ks in the mix, but nothing on her daytime or past June. I don't think you have to at all. I mean, I think taking it in, in six-month um, increments is just fine. Um, you know, and if she's happy, you know, if she's, if she's, you know, gets through June and then she's like, now what? You know, look around and see if you want to plan another half of the year. You know, I think six months is plenty of time to play with and, um yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's that that works out just fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so then Lisa wants to know how much time you should allow between races of different distances. Um, again, it's going to depend on what your goals are, for instance. So if your goal is to PR a 10K um, and then train for that half marathon, um, you know, it's a good good way to easily move from one right into the next. Um, but it, I mean, I'm not sure if she's like, this is a tough one, you know, how much time should we allow between races period or Mm -hmm. how much should should you, like, I, I, it's kind of a difficult one to answer, I guess. Um, I mean, you always want to have recovery time built in, um, you know, before you train for the next event. So I like to see some, some space in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but if your question is, um, between races, like again, like moving up in distance, um, you know, and, and you're new to the distances, then I think you should have the proper time for the different buildups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To really make them distinct training cycles with some right. rest time in between them. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, Judy wants to know how to avoid burnout and diminishing race results during the year. And I think that might um, play into someone what, what we were just talking about, perhaps mm-hmm. not having enough rest in between those cycles. Mm-hmm. Not having enough rest, having too many races. Um, like I, like I said before, you just can't, um, can't have like eight half marathons in a year and think that you're going to perform well at those. Um, you're, you're, you're getting into a cycle of, um, you know, training, tapering, recovering, um, you know, training again, and, and just, there's not enough, um, of that dip, you know, that recovery dip and that taper, like just not, you're just going to be perpetually tapering and recovering and, and, and maybe not even getting in the training, um, in between. And it just, it can lead to mental, it absolutely mental burnout. You know, it starts Uh taking the foot out of it because you're a slave to a schedule all the time. Uh Um, and your body's just not, you know, getting what it needs either from a buildup or from a, a recovery end. Yeah. Yeah. I like your phrase slave to a schedule because it's so funny when I was doing more races, when I would, um, be, you know, like the week before hopping on a training schedule, I'd always like kind of be like a toddler, not wanting to put on the shoes and be like, no, no, you can't make me do it. You can't make me do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then once I got into, you know, a couple weeks into it, I'm like, oh, I so adore like all the guesswork being taken out and just, you know, like, okay, today's Tuesday. This is what I do on Tuesday. But then toward the end there, I do reach a point where like, okay, I just, I just want to decide it's Tuesday and I'm just going to roll the dice and see what I do. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think, yeah, when you get to the end of the, you know, end of like your really competitive 
you know, your interest in being super competitive or, or, you know, and I mean competitive by competitive with yourself, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a gift to to let go of that and and do what you want to do. Yeah. Or sometimes I also find that you might find this since you run with a group. I sometimes like when Molly's on a training schedule, because then I can kind of drop in and out of it, you know, that like, oh, okay, great. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll join you for your 10 miler, but mm, yeah, tomorrow do speed work. I don't think so. (laughs) Right. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Kelly has an interesting question um, that won't apply to some people, but but you know we can kind of um, insert your own race distance here and your own time here. Um, she says, is it possible and advisable to PR in a half marathon or to attempt, I would assume, a half marathon while training for an ultra? And she has a um, an aggressive half marathon goal of one forty five. Um, she says the half would be the halfway mark of the ultra training cycle and then wink, wink, nod, nod, asking for a friend. Right. Um, you know, so I think, um, it's, it's a yes and a no kind of thing. (laughs) Um, I would say, okay, if you are at a stage with your running where, um, you know, you're, you're starting to see some good success with races and you're kind of just getting into a PR cycle just because of the fitness gains you've made over the past few years or seasons, um, you know, that it kind of just bodes well for that happening regardless that you're kind of, you know, with everything you're doing, you're getting fitter and it's just your consistency over, over time paying off. Um, and yes, um, the, the caveat that, to that being that an ultra is a lot of miles and um, your legs might just be feeling, feeling um, really heavy um, in the midst of all of that. And uh-huh. so, um, you know, they may not, may not be up to um, a, a PR at the half distance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because a lot of times with ultras, the game is just you know, putting in the miles and putting in a lot of miles. So, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I've certainly had the exact same thing uh, happen during uh, training for a marathon and that I distinctly remember training for the second time I ended up qualifying for Boston and I had a half marathon. So that the um, second BQ was uh, Victoria, which was in early October and so, you know, here in Portland, you can actually find half marathons in the summer. I know in a lot of places that's not, not an option. <laughs> not that I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so so uh, Molly and I went out um, east of Portland to what's called the Gorge, where there's, um, as its name implies, there's a lot of hills. And so, you know, but I was really well trained and went out there and just blew up just had such a terrible for me half marathon with walking long stretches of it and just I mean like almost panic in Molly's eyes when I saw her at the finish line and I I mean friends had to kind of almost catch me as I after I crossed the finish line Mm. and so you know it was just like oh and I'm going to try to qualify for Boston in eight or nine weeks like what am I thinking here um so so it also can you know but I ever the optimist sometimes to a chucklehead degree you know I just told you know came up with some rationale for why I did poorly. Oh, it was hillier than I expected. The sun was, you know, there was a lot of sunny patches. I hydrated too well the day before all this stuff because otherwise it was going to mess with my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, oh, there's no way, there's no way. And so it can be tricky, I think, to really try to bust a move halfway through a cycle. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, just, you know, but if you are on an upswing with your running, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I mean, I've had seasons like that where like everything I touch is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a magic PR, you know, cause I'm just, yeah. because I, I it, it was in a place where I was just gaining fitness, you know? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. The lightest touch with racing. Yeah. 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 So this trio of questions about planning a race calendar that they feel somewhat related to me. So I grouped them together. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> Kristen says, FOMO, how to avoid it, fear of missing out, how to avoid it and plan a smart injury free calendar. And I think um, that can be particularly true if you're, you know, if you have a group of women that you like to meet up with at races or like you have a running group that you're pretty regular with that, you know, oh, everybody's going to be on Hilton Head that weekend. I need to go too. Yeah. 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 So how do you work? (laughs) How do you work around that? Um, You know, I think you have to just um, make decisions about goals again, again, you know, coming back to, you know, what are you after? What, what is your goal this year? If your goal is to PR, I would, um, you know, at a, at a couple of races or at a particular race, I would say, make choices, make choices. Is this going to help you achieve your goal or is it not? Um, if your goal is to have fun out there and run all the races, there's nothing wrong with that either. Just know that, you know, it's not going to um, usually result in time goals. So, um, just decide your, what your priorities are and go from there. And then, you know, don't look back. Don't, don't allow FOMO to creep in. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And distract yourself. Don't look at their Instagram feeds when they are on Hilton Head. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll give an example and this is a little bit different because again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, time goal oriented right now, but, um, my friends planned, um, there was this great set of races out in um, Utah. It was these that you ran th- through three national parks in three days. It was, it oh was yeah, three oh. Months. yeah, yeah. I had friends. I, mean, I, I had fr- I had several friends do that this year. Who do that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it looked amazing, um, in spite of the rain that they had. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, it looked amazing, and and I know they had a great time. Um, and as I was looking at my schedule for the fall, I had a lot of other travel right around that, and it's like you know, I just can't what will this do to my life? You know, how will it, it might be fun, but is it worth it, you know, to, for the, for the havoc it's going to wreak on my, my fall schedule with my family and my, and all the other commitments that I have and yeah. it wasn't worth it. And then I'm like, okay, made the choice, go ahead and celebrate what they're doing. Cause it's fantastic. And they had a great time, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Enjoy the, enjoy the race through their eyes and their Instagram feed, but yeah. except that yeah. she decided to stay home in Maryland. Yeah. 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 So that kind of leads into Marcella's question is, um, how to plan a race calendar with all the unknowns in life. And you made a decision because you had some knowns, but she said she's hesitant to set anything in stone and pay for it when there are so many outside variables that factor into running kids, work, spouse, injury, illness, the whole, the whole gamut. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a bummer that that's, you know, that that is the place that we're in these days with races that, that many of these races require you Mm -hmm. signing up a year in advance or, um, and, and that life might get in the way in between. Um, you know, so I think, um, you know, I guess, again, it's going to be about choosing what's most, what I choose, what races are most important to you pay for those, you know, um, knowing that there's a slim chance you might have to give up that, that, uh, that entry fee, um, if something did get in the way, like an injury or illness or whatever else, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and kind of look at it, I guess, as expendable <laughs> money. It's not a fun way to look at it, but look at it as just kind of like a little bit of a, a fund that's, that's, that, that you're going to yeah. put toward that. 
Um, and then maybe with ones that don't require such a quick turnaround with sign up, you know, start training for them, keep an eye on them. And, you know, and when you kind of get within a certain period of time, say six weeks out, if it's a race that's still open and you know that, hey, things are looking good here, mm-hmm. um, you know, go ahead and make, make that choice and sign up for it. Um, yeah, it's a gamble. And it's, you know, it is just unfortunately, I think, the reality of racing today. It is. I also think, um, you know, so you put down, let's say, you know, it's, um, I don't know, Chicago or some race that, you know, you really have to commit to so far in advance, you know, so you have to plunk down that, uh, what is it, close to 200 bucks or something. Um, But then, you know, make hotel reservations that are, you know, that you cancel up to 48 hours before. Yeah, yeah. And the rental car and all those things, because, you know, we travel so much for, for another mother runner and, I've gotten us backed into some corners where I'm like, oh yeah, I can't cancel that room because I, you know, saved 20 bucks by paying for it up front for a non, you know, cancel, you know, the non-refundable room. And then it's like, oh yeah, well now we're out 159 because, you know, I can't cancel it. So, yeah. so, so I, I, what I'm trying to say is to try to make as many things, um, try not to invest, literally invest in things that you can't get your money back out of. Um, so yeah. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's definitely sometimes, um, you know, throwing the dice when it comes to making airplane tickets reservations, if you have to fly somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah. So I say choose races that are, you know, not on everyone's radar and drive to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just say, I mean, race locally, race locally. Yeah. No, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting though, because in some parts of the country, I think, you know, they're probably like, a race sells out. What are you talking about? In other places that, you know, I'm sure there's people that are thinking there's races that don't sell out. I, I just think there yeah. are pockets of the country where, you know, I would assume in Maryland, a lot more races fill up than yeah. in other parts of the country. Yeah. Population density for sure. Um, Correct. You know. Yeah. And, and <laughs> East Coast, you can drive to so many things. So it's not. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, the moral of that story is live in Nebraska and drive to your races. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, let's see, North Dakota, someplace that has very low population density. Uh, so, um, so Katie wants to know what sort of plan workout should you maintain? This is kind of related to that being able to jump into a race. What mm-hmm. sort of plan workout should you maintain if you want to leave yourself open to running, say a half marathon without starting from square one? Mm-hmm, um, kind mm-hmm. of that always, you know, half marathon ready idea. And then at what week of a plan could you jump in? She said, I know this is kind of the antithesis of planning a race calendar, but it is a year where I feel like I, I want to do something. I'm just not sure what it will be yet. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, it's kind of a place where I keep myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I would say, you know, my weekly long run is like a 10 to 12 miler. Um, and, you know, and if I see something coming up, I can just easily comfortably then make a jump up to, you know, a 13 or 14 mile long run and, and then go jump into a half marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so my answer would be, you know, keep yourself maybe around a long run of, um, even eight to 10 miles, um, kind of as maintenance, um, uh, most, most weeks and, um, you know, make sure you're getting in, you know, three runs a week, um, but preferably four, um, and you're going to be in good race shape, um, by mm-hmm. doing that. Um, I mean, good enough race shape that you can jump in and, and not die. Um, maybe <laughs> you're not going to PR, but you're not going to die. You're going to feel pretty comfortable and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great, great way to you know, mm-hmm. approach it. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And then, so let's say, 
you know, it is um, someone maybe who's not a coach, so who maybe doesn't have the the um, basis of knowledge that you do for someone like Katie, perhaps that, um, so she's kind of that race ready-ish, then at what week would you suggest jumping on a plan? I mean, is it th- then, you, you know, you're four weeks out, you're six weeks out? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I would say... Uh, eight weeks out, maybe six, six to eight weeks out, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause you're going to have to a lot for a couple of weeks of the, of tapering in there. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, six to weeks, six, six to eight, um, weeks out from, from a race. Um, and, and you can get into pretty decent shape, uh, mm-hmm. pretty quickly like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if, or, um, sooner, you know, you could jump in, um, with less lead time, but then you have to be more lenient with yourself and your expectations. Exactly. Or how, exactly. you're, how you're going to feel in the race, how you're going to perform in the race, and then how you're going to feel afterwards, certainly. Yeah. 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 So um, these next questions, um, maybe it's just me, but I um, have contemplated filing this under too much of a good thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so there's two questions. So I'm going to read, um, allow me to read for a little bit. Um, so Leanne is doing four marathons in 2019, which I... Um, I I need to take a breath after saying that Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, in May, July, August and October or November plus September, if she gets into Berlin and she wants to know how she can plan to keep her motivation up when she's in marathon recovery mode, but also needing to get ready for the next marathon. And then in a related ish query, Elizabeth says, how do you rest slash train the weeks between two pretty close marathons? She says, and this is uh, my hat is off to Elizabeth. She says she ran twin cities fast enough to get a guaranteed entry to Chicago and hopefully New York. And that she's age 48 and she's going to take advantage of the situation and do both because who knows what the future holds. She says her plan would be to race Chicago and run New York for the experience. So, okay. So, um, but I say, let's put a pin in that because I didn't realize you could qualify for the New York city marathon. Um, I know, I know you used to be able to, um, Yeah, there used to be a, a, both a half marathon um, qualifying time and a marathon qualifying time. There I mean, is, there is still. So that I because yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought that it you it was this like lore, you know, oh, way back when. And so then I, you know, turned to Mister Google, and um, and there it is. The times that and and I'm intrigued though that um, Leanne said, oh, um, yeah, no, and Elizabeth said that she hopefully for New York. So I wonder if it's a bit of a case like. Boston where they're like, Oh, sorry, too many 46 year olds ran, you know, 140 half marathons or I don't know something. And, you know, so they have to change it. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, and I'm looking at those um, standards right now and I know these are definitely, they've changed from what they used to be, but they've always been, if I'm, I I could be speaking incorrectly, but my memory is that um, like the marathon standards, um, for New York, I thought the marathon standards were always a little bit tougher than Boston standards, but, but I remember, I don't know. I can remember always thinking I could always get in New York through my half marathon time, um, mm-hmm. it, which was, I guess, which I'll, what would get, I don't know. I'm looking at them right now. They're, they, they seem pretty, they're not too far off Boston times actually looking at them. Um, although like, again, you have that option of qualifying through your half marathon time. So, um, yeah, which I find intriguing. I just, I, I mainly wanted to bring this up just as a side note, like I said, because I think, you know, you and I meet so many women at so many events and they, you know, all talk about their dream goal of qualifying for Boston. And so sort of just, I don't know, wanted to throw that out there, tell other people to Google it and maybe, you know, their new dream can be qualifying for New York. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, because because uh, qualifying for New York isn't, you know, because it's not, how am I trying to say this? <laughs> that, that you're not going to have, okay, like, you know what, the problem we've had with Boston until they just changed the times again this year was always that, you know, like, oh, I need my time plus three mm -hmm. minutes or whatever it might have been. That's never going to happen here with New York because these are just bonus times, right? Like this is an, an, another way to get in. So, um, yeah. so you can, so you can set your goal on that specific time and know that's what time you need, you know? Well, and, and also nice. I thought, I, I know that Dimity always says, well, I never want to run a marathon that I have to run a marathon to get into. Right. right. So, um, <laughs> that, um, she might say it a little more, um, gracefully than that, but, but that, uh, you know, so that I find it intriguing that you can, as you pointed out, that you can have a half qualifying, half marathon yeah. qualifying time. Yeah. I think it's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so let's get back to now that I've taken us on that tangent. Now let's run back right. to the main route do, 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 do. and yes. uh, to, to Leanne and Elizabeth who have just a, I'm just going to say it, a ton of marathons on, on their schedule. Um, so, um, so I don't know. So how do you, how do you, you know, and, and for people who maybe aren't up for the tw that many 26.2s, I think this is a relatable scenario for a lot of women for half marathons. And so right. kind of talk through that, you know, up, down, up, down of, of training and um, recovery mode and motivation. Just, it's a whole, it's a whole lot of things to be juggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so first thing I want to say is um, that both these women seem to understand, certainly Elizabeth does, is she says, you know, my plan would be to race Chicago and run New York for the experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's the perfect way to look at it is that you've got these two and you're going to run them close together or in Leanne's case, many races you're going to run close together. Mm -hmm. You know, again, don't have time goals for all those races. You're not going to get them. Um, pick one that you want to really focus on. And in the marathon case, I'm going to always favor the first one as your best mm -hmm. bet for your best time. There are definitely always going to be exceptions to that rule, but that would be where I would put my, my eggs into that first marathon basket. Um, and then, um, you know, the good news is when it comes to mileage and training for the next one, when you're running that many, your, your, your training is already there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you run a 26.2 miles, um, and then you have three weeks before your next one. You don't really need to do another 20 miler in between. That is your, you know, that, that's your, that's your long run. That's your last long run right there. So your mm -hmm. focus then should be on recovering first. Um, you know, take a week of not running, um, take a second week and third week of really easy running in between, maybe throw a 10 miler in there halfway in between the two races or a 12 miler, even if you want, if you're feeling really good and recovered. Um, but your base is there. You're, you don't need more training for the next mm -hmm. one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the focus has got to be on recovery that that's what you're looking at. You're, you're looking to, um, still enjoy these next races. Um, not get hurt by doing this many races. Um, so recover, 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 um, you know, and don't worry about, you know, needing to quote unquote retrain for these. Um, the half may be a little bit different, um, but again, the mileage is there. Most of the training is there. Um, keep the emphasis going on, on recovery. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have, um, I mean, there were several years that I did two marathons in a year. And mm -hmm. then um, when I did do that, Victoria and I qualified for Boston then. So that was early October, as I said. And then maybe it was maybe it was the second weekend. Maybe it might have been um, Indigenous Peoples Day weekend. Um, I think it was. And then, um, then I did Philly 
pretty much for work. Um, so that was the weekend before Thanksgiving. And going into to Philly, I thought, oh, I'm totally recovered. Like, I'll, I'll be fine. And I just remember being in a world of hurt in that last, <laughs> in that last half, which at Philly, Philly is such a pretty race, but boy, that last half of it is mighty lonely. It, <laughs> it really is. That, that long stretch from Manny oh, back in. Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs> you were, you were right in my mind, right yep. where it got so <laughs> yep. tough and just, oh my goodness, my legs just felt so heavy. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I just, the whole time I'm thinking, I ran, like, I, my time I think was 30 minutes, roughly 30 minutes slower at Philly than it was at Victoria. And I just felt so great at Victoria. And, right. and then I'm more than a mile per, sorry, minute per mile slower at Philly and just felt awful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so definitely you can race, but um, I would like to caution that, you know, I, I like that she says run New York for the experience because it might not be for the enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I agree with that. I mean, you, you, you know, again, there are always outliers and there oh, are, Oh, for know, sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, just in general, um, you know, know that you're probably going to be a little tired and, and I'm going to go back to that, you know, cross the line in Chicago and consider, can consider yourself on recovery from there on out and, you know, to New York. Yeah. Um, there, there's no need to train more at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good reminder. So then, um, Woods Edge, we've sort of on Twitter, um, we've sort of addressed this, but, um, they favor half marathons and wants to know how many a person can do per year without injuring themselves. And again, we know that everyone is individual. Yeah. But yeah. Um, a lot of variables there. You know, first of all, if you are um, someone who's been running for 10 years, you've got a lot more to play with than someone who is in their first or second year of running, you know? Um, you know, I think we can't emphasize that enough and do sort yes. of a, do sort of a side note as to why that is, because it sounds almost counterintuitive when you think about it, you think, well, they've been running for 10 years. I got these fresh legs. Yeah. And, oh no, it's, it's those you know, those darling newer runners that are the ones who are getting hurt by doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Your body, you know, it just takes a long time to physiologically adapt. And, um, I don't know, I was just talking with a PT the other day about there's even new research coming out showing that people who, um, started running in high school and are now like master's age runners actually have, um, much better odds at keeping their bone health going even, um, you know, so, so it matters. So, so that, that's just caveat going into this whole answering my question <laughs> or answering this question. So, um, you know, but I mean, in general, I, I mean, if you're playing it smart and, and not, um, you know, overdoing your mileage and, and, you know, running, you know, the, the prescribed amounts and the prescribed paces and all that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, probably four to five halves, uh, you know, a couple of season, um, you know, kind of taking that marathon um, formula of, of say to a season or to a year, I'm sorry, you know, one in, one in the spring, one in the fall, you know, you could probably realistically do, you know, two to three, um, I would say in a season. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically loosey goosey there. Yeah. 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 But I think that's tough to do year after year after year. I mean, like I said, yeah. there were, there were a couple of years that I did two marathons and typically it was a spring and a fall, but boy, 
uh, you know, if I look at the big arc of my life, sometimes I'm like, oh, hey, looky there, the year after I did two marathons, then I was injured the next uh-huh, year. And uh-huh. I, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, um, so that sort of leads into Leah's question of how often should you do a long distance race? How often should we scale back on distance? And the part of her question I loved best was, should we take a year or six month step back every so often? Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, okay, so if we're calling a long-distance race a half marathon or a marathon, um, you know, specifically with marathons, again, you know, I would say two a year is 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 a good healthy spot to be, um, you know, and nothing wrong with it only being one a year. Um, and um, and we already answered that, you know, in regard to, to half marathons. Um, scaling back on distance, I would either, you know, um, Add cut back week, cut back weeks into your training if um, you are you know doing say the two marathons a year you know make sure there's some some cutback mileage in your buildups um, make sure there's some dedicated just low mileage weeks plural following mm-hmm. the the races um, and then you know a year to six months to step back every so often wow I'm I mean, it depends on your goals again and, and, and how much like, okay, if you're someone who's 40 and you've been running for 10 years and things are going well and you're, you're hitting some really nice um, um, times, I, you know, you, you might want to take advantage of that and, and kind of push your envelope a little bit and, and, and then, you know, um, step, step back from it, um, you know, when, once you're like at a, at a stage where, you know, getting faster isn't going to happen anymore. Um, but if you are four years into it and you know, you've got like another six years of, of, you know, you're, you're 32 and, and you've been running for four years and you've got another six to eight years of, of, of doing well. Um, then, I mean, you know, uh, there, there, I think it's kind of nice to maybe think about a six month, um, step back period where you're not really racing and just kind of keeping some mileage in there, but, um, you know, not, not putting in the scheduled training. I think it's good mentally. I think it's good physically. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Because hopefully life is long right. and that, that you don't need to cram every race into a two year period or something. Right. Like that. That, right. That, um, yeah. And I, I know that I definitely kind of look around and I'm like, well, are there any marathons left that I still want to do that are still going to really light my fire? Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. Um, Melissa's wondering, how do you know when you're done doing full marathons? And I got to say, this is a question I have been pondering a lot in the past year. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I reached that point. I, I think I'm I don't know. I, I don't like, I, I never say never, I will say yep. to most yep. runners. However, I think I am totally at that point. Um, mm. I, mm-hmm. I just, just have no desire anymore. So for me, it's just a, a desire factor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there a physical point? I don't know that there is. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we, we look at our, our podcast last week talking with Julie Baker and she's in her sixties and um, has been running since her twenties and um, still gets excited to train for a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, you can still physic as long as you're physically managing it and, and not getting hurt repeatedly. I mean, you know, I don't know that there is a, stopping an ex- point an expiration date on this right this yeah, yeah yeah i i put it more down towards enthusiasm i guess it is true because uh, i would say only in the past couple of weeks actually have i started to 
kind of daydream a little bit about a marathon mm. and and that i mean it was just i was just shut kind of mentally shut down about that topic and i i definitely am not in a place where i'm going to but i'm i'm open to the possibility of the idea now <laughs> right right well that's good that's yeah. good yeah. i mean you're what like a year and a not even a year and a half a little over a year removed yes yeah so yeah the last one i did was um 13 yeah almost 14 months ago yeah yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you've had a good time to kind of give yourself that mental break and not force the issue. I mean, I think that's the other thing is sometimes um, I see runners kind of forcing the issue, you know, like there's this, I don't know, for some reason you feel like you need to be doing marathons or you need to be racing oh. and, you know, you just don't. I mean, it's it's perfectly fine. <laughs> if you're not feeling it, don't force the issue because that is a path to burnout, you know? I got to say that, you know, that's funny you say that because it was only as you were saying that, I'm like, right people have stopped putting some pressure on me. Like, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a, weren't they being mean to me, but there was a lot, Oh, what's your next race? And these are just random, you know, people at the, my kids' soccer games or whatever. Oh yeah. yeah what race are you training for? And yeah. just I'm like, yeah, back off people. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it just, just takes a good debilitating injury for people to leave you alone. But, but that, uh, <laughs> no, it was for a while there. I just remember thinking, is that pressure ever going to let up? Is, yeah. Ever going to stop asking me? And and now I realize, as you were saying, I'm like, hey, yeah, people have. And so maybe the two are interrelated that, that when people stop asking, that's when I start asking myself, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, so, all right. So um, we're going to end with Rachel's question um, because, you know, I think there's some people that the thought of planning even one race, let alone a year's worth of them might, leave them like me. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, so Rachel wants to know, how do you find a new challenge to keep you motivated? New race, new distance, new team, um, all of the above. I mean, yeah, really, I, partner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you just, um, when, when you find things are getting stale, yeah. Look for new ways to, to shake it up. Um, you know, um, you know, seek out or, you know, seek out a different type of running related challenge, like, you know, an adventure race or like what Dimity did, the, the swim runs, you know, yeah. um, you know, something different, a triathlon, um, you know, just shake it up a little bit, um, you know, go to trails instead of roads or, um, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. Yes. New is new is key. I think, um, if, if it's getting stale, um, or, you know, I'm going to, again, go back to <laughs> new can also be no schedule. It can be, you know, um, taking a little break that way and, and mm -hmm. then, and then looking around and seeing what appeals. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also think, don't feel that you, when you tell yourself, oh, I need to try something new, don't necessarily think that something's going to jump right up, you know, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. catch your interest that, that just be open to what might catch your interest. That, you, mm -hmm, that, you, mm -hmm. that knowing you need something new, you don't need to know what the answer to that new is right then and there. Immediately, yeah. But you can just, you know, in in February, think, oh, you know, I'm I'm not really feeling anything past June, like that question we had earlier. And so, you know, just kind of put, you know, acknowledge that, and then, you know, starting in May, maybe, you know, I don't know, start talking to your friends about what they're doing, or you know, when your friend starts talking about her tennis league that she's in and you're suddenly like, well, you know, that sounds kind of fun. I haven't played tennis since high school, but maybe I could brush up on it. Right. And, right. You, you know, and it is true. I mean, I use that as an actual example that I'm like, you know, I just, I'm like, wow, so many people I know are playing tennis. Should I go back to playing tennis? You or know? pickleball. 
Pickleball. Uh, pickleball. Oh my gosh, pickleball. <laughs> my gosh, that is just the thing. That was our uh, the guest who was on last week, Mara Altman. She plays pickleball and like two or three other people. Like, what's up with that? Like, I, I will admit to trying it this summer. So yes. <laughs> and so pickleball is a different racket and ball, but played on a tennis court. Is that right? Correct. It's almost like ping pong on a tennis court is how I liken it. Yeah. <laughs> but how is it different than paddle tennis? Other than that you don't play on a paddle tennis court, which those might only exist in Connecticut. I'm not Okay. Sure. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard of paddle tennis, so I really? can Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So growing up in Connecticut, I could, if, if I took you back to my mother's old house, my parents' old house, I could within four, five mile run, you and I could run past at least two paddle tennis courts that jumped to my mind. Huh, and, interesting. And, so, and they're enclosed. And my good friend Katie from Colgate, we rode together, R-O-W-E-D. Um, she plays a lot of paddle tennis and she lives outside of Chicago. So I assume that there must be a lot of courts there. And it's it's enclosed. It's a smaller court. The surface itself is typically made of wood or a, um, a synthetic wood. Is that what you call, art? I don't know, artificial wood? I don't know. Um, a composite material. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. And, I don't think you can play off the walls, um, off the, in their mesh walls, um, like firm chicken wire is not the right term, but um, right. <laughs> it's not quite a prison barrier, but it's right. a, a more. <laughs> <laughs> so the people who know what paddle tennis are right now are yelling at their phone, being like, sir, you moron. <laughs> and, the, and the pickleball means, you know, pick a team. Are you on team paddle tennis or team pickleball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the origin of pickleball. I, right. I <laughs> right. I know. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to do a whole show just about that. I know. I know. We really went off on a tangent here and I apologize people. <laughs> so I have no way to wrap it up, but, but that, that's it. Go play in your race calendar and maybe some pedal test pickleball games. In the right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, many happy miles. You know, it's the way we sign off from this podcast, but you know what else? It is also the name of the plan that we just opened on Wednesday. That would be the 28th of November. And it is an antidote to so many of those questions, especially motivation and being ready to jump on a race plan. And so many happy miles. It's a special year long program And it's motivation, workouts, challenges, webinars with guest speakers on a variety of topics and discounts to keep you moving all throughout the year. It was developed by my genius cohort, Dimity. And the workouts and challenges abound with creativity and spark while ensuring you become a stronger, more well-rounded runner. So we're just super duper excited. As I said, registration is now open on, um, you go to Mother sorry, you go to anothermotherrunner.com slash many happy miles. Again, that URL, anothermotherrunner.com slash many happy miles. And that's where you sign up for it. That'll be the portal that then starting Jan 1, where you go to, and you can be part of this whole big community of many happy milers. I don't know if that's a term that that my, my colleagues would approve of me using. I've just made it up, but um, we're just super excited. And like I said, registration's open now through the end of the year. And then the program itself kicks off January 1st. So another motherrunner.com slash many happy miles. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. In whatever race you're planning, many happy miles. Many happy miles.